Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, and I've got a special guest with me today. I've got a, a different type of topic I wanted to talk about. My guest is Shane. Shane, how are you? Hey, doing well. Thanks. Normally, you all know if you listen, we talk about role-playing games, but today I wanted to talk a little more about the wobbly side of things uh, in our title, Wobblies and Wizards. And there's one specific wobbly I wanted to talk about today, and that's why I have Shane on. And his name was Jim Tackett. So this weekend, I just wanted to do one of these so that the world could hear about, know, and remember Jim. Uh, He passed away in 2020, wasn't it? during the yeah. towards august. the end of the year yeah so, august 20 here yeah. and uh he was a great feller wonderful wobbly worked for the union he did a lot of good for working folks in ohio and i just wanted to take this time and i figured since i have a podcast that people do listen to it's a moment that i could say hey let's not forget jim let's remember him and a lot of wobblies have been remembered over the years a lot of wobblies have Got passed away over the years and fought real hard for the rights of workers throughout this country and around the world. So I just wanted to highlight Jim and talk about him. So Shane, when did you meet Jim Tackett? Um, I met Jim in middle school. It was uh, seventh grade in um, Columbia, Tennessee. His uh, family had just moved down to uh, Columbia from Ohio because of uh, it was, you know, GM. And of course, if you ever seen Roger and me, like the whole thing with Roger and me where GM, like, you know, fled and then went down South to like seek cheaper labor and, you know, try to go to Mexico and all that stuff, you know, but um, that's basically what happened there was that the Saturn car plant opened there in, in Spring Hill, Tennessee, right outside of Columbia where we lived. And uh, so that's how I met Jim was in the seventh grade. And, it was actually uh, we were in um, in a tutor after school tutoring for math because we were both really shitty at math, you know. <laughs> so that's why. And he actually helped. He actually asked me for help while we were tutoring. And I was like, dude, I don't know. Like, I'm in. Tut- I don't know why you're asking me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask this. So, when was Jim in the UAW? How long? I don't think he was in very long because I. I know one thing is that he had a big old UAW United Auto Workers tattoo on his okay. leg. More, more of his like, uh, more of where that comes from was his dad. His dad mm-hmm. was involved with UAW, and his dad actually just passed away in December on Christmas Eve uh, this past Christmas. I had not heard that. I just found that um, he uh, for a while there, the last for quite a, a couple of years there. I know Jim wasn't making it to IWW meetings because his father was ill. And he was spending a lot of time taking care of his father and spending a lot of time with his father. He was a big family guy. Oh, big time. Yeah. Greg. So Greg, his dad was, I mean, hardcore, I mean, union, you know, to the core, like he was very heavily involved in the UAW for years. And it was actually, I think it's Norwood there, the Norwood plant there in Ohio outside of. Yes. He, he worked there for, I don't know, you know, 15, 20 years before he moved down to Columbia to start to work at the Saturn plant. Um, but yeah, so I think more of where that UAW thing comes from was Jim grew up like hardcore UAW because his family was, and his dad was so heavily involved. And his dad was like, uh, you know, I mean, he was, you know, he, he would help, you know, 
you know, he was on the picket lines like all the time. You know, he was, you know, just like you would think, you know, how Jim was, you know, how Jim. Was. Oh, yeah. His dad was exactly Greg was exact same way. Like, you know, just hardcore union guys. So he comes from like, you know, a union pedigree and working class pedigree. And I mean, even in fact, like, you know, I mean, we, we were in the seventh grade, you know, most seventh graders do not talk politics or union <laughs> things, you know. I remember Jim talking to me about that in like seventh grade. And, you know, I, I was clueless. I was like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, <laughs> but you know, your passion about it makes it sound cool, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, he got me really into more like working class, you know, ethos and, and working class kind of uh, things over the years that I, you know, I wasn't really privy to because my parents were teachers and uh, you know, m- more like educator, uh, that kind of liberal or whatever, you know, but he definitely got, you know, he, he came from a working class background. He got me more into that over the years. Jim was just always super passionate, you know. Oh, he was passionate. <laughs> and that's one thing I liked about him is he yeah. could go on rants. He, mm-hmm. He'd get a little, a little drunk and maybe smoke a little. And he <laughs> would go on these rants. And I would get him screaming and yelling at the TV <laughs> about these capitalist bastards and stuff. And I loved it. And he had... We're up here in Ohio, so a lot of folks would notice he had a slightly more southern accent around a lot of the folks that we were hanging out with in there. And he would go yeah. out, he had that accent, and he would just scream and yell. It's like you'd see the uh, sometimes you see the angry Republican screaming, and yell, damn liberal. It was that, but hardcore union anti capitalist rant. And I loved it, it was amazing. Oh, yeah, one of my favorites, one of my favorite gym moments. Because we were at um, this place up here, this little bar called MJ's. And mm-hmm. we were sitting out front. And there was a lot of fancy folks sitting around. And yeah. he's a working class type of feller. He's not the fanciest of folks. And me yeah. and him, I'm probably not the fanciest of folks either. <laughs> we, we were standing up front. And this cop car comes rolling by. And there's Jim. And he stumbles up in this, in this, in this area of all these folks. And he just blurts out. He goes, uh, he goes, I got the malt, Harvey. You got the light. <laughs> and everybody just cleared. <laughs> they, they did not know what to think about that. He did not seem to take kindly to that cop rolling by. It was kind of nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> well, it's funny. It's like, you know, he always had pretty much had, you know, disdain for police. And I always thought that he got that from Greg, his dad. And I actually found this out, you know, not, I mean, within the last few years, I mean, I, I knew Jim for 30 years. He's my best friend for 30 years, but I didn't even find this information out until about three or four years, maybe before he passed away. But, you know, it, we were talking about, you know, cops and stuff. And, you know, and he, he, he brought up the story about how, like, when he was growing up, anytime, like he was at a stoplight or something in, in a car with his mom and there was like a cop car, like at one of the other lights, like uh, his mom would say under her breath, she would go fucking pig. And, uh, you know, Jim was just like, what, you know, like what? And like, so I always thought he got that disdain thing from Greg, but he said, no, dude, that's totally for my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so like his dad was cool as hell. His mom was cool as hell. I mean, you know, it just made him for a cool as hell kid in my book, you know? Yeah. He was a great feller. Like I had some great times with him when I was able to hang out. He was always wanting to do something. He's like, he loved, one of the things that made me think of doing this was honestly the Bengals uh, are they're going to the Super Bowl. And uh, by the time this comes out, the Super Bowl will be over because we record a few weeks ahead of time. We'll know who won. Sure. 
But I was like, I'm going to definitely be watching and rooting for the Bengals because I know Jim would have been. And yeah, he always oh. was going to those those games and inviting folks to go. If I didn't have two kids all the time, I would have definitely tried to make it out to more. Right. I only made it out to a couple of shows and a couple of events here and there with him. But he loved to like any kind of punk rock shows or metal shows or hip hop. Like yeah. he was there. He was a music guy and he loved his sports. And, and that, those yeah. were things you got into. Yeah, I mean, those those were things that we were <clears throat> that bonded us like uh, yeah, at a young age. I mean, the first thing we ever bonded over really in middle school was baseball. You know, he, he loved the Reds. I love the Cubs. And, you know, we both collected baseball cards and traded baseball cards. So that that was like our first kind of like commonality. And then over the years, like we got into punk rock together, you know, and we just grew together. I mean, we, we were pretty big outcasts in school, but. You know, we, you know, people tried to bully us, but we weren't really the kind to allow people to bully us. <laughs> you know? So they learned pretty quick, like, all right, we tried to, you know, jocks and stuff, you know, and they'd be like, all right, we fucked with the wrong kids here or whatever, you know. And so, you know, but we, and because of that, you know, we were, you know, we got into punk rock and uh, hardcore and stuff because, you know, we were kind of like outcasts and we were kind of, kind of picked on and then we kind of picked back you know we would become the bullies to the to the bullies you know and kind of stick up for all the kids they were bullying and shit you know real classic you know <laughs> what you would think jim would do you know yeah jim's a good feller I, I i i'm a fan of his so i one of the things i remember he he had a lot of records and he had some real good records he was definitely a big record collector and i he'd always yeah. like when he still had Facebook, he'd be posting left and right his new records or stuff from his record collection constantly. The coolest yeah. records he'd be busting out. I have most of them now. Oh, wow. You've got an amazing record collection then, I'll bet you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my collection went from like being like, okay, to being like amazing. because I've got most of his records now. His, his sister gave them to me. Like, I was trying to get her to sell them. I was like, dude, that, that's a lot of money in there. Y'all should do that and like, you know you know, put that towards like, you know, Owen, Jim, uh, Jim's nephew's like education or something, you know, she's like, no, she's like, Jim would want you to have it, which he would have, but. Oh yeah. I, definitely listen to those. Keep hold on to those. That's a beautiful collection. A great thing to have. Let's put them on and remember him. I, he'd always be asking me about some kind of band. He'd be like, Hey Shane, you remember? <laughs> he remembers like, yeah, I remember. I get into that. He was, <laughs> he was a really, kind friendly person to most people that i've ever met with him i've never seen him be a a, a dick to anybody but i probably didn't know him as long as well as you did no i mean pretty good guy. Was, unless you know he if you crossed him or whatever i mean he could turn it on and sit in a heartbeat you know and uh you know he he wouldn't take any shit but yeah for the most part i mean he was like incredibly affable and loving and he just liked to have fun you know like you're saying like go to go to ball games go to concerts like Man, we, I mean, we, so we started doing, um, a furniture business over the last, uh, seven, eight years that he was alive. You know, I got into buying and restoring what's known as mid-century modern furniture, like vintage furniture yeah. from the 50s and 60s and shit. And Jim always liked going out and picking, but he, you know, he likes, you know, just like the stuff he likes, baseball cards or, you know, baseball memorabilia and union memorabilia. So he, he would go out searching for stuff like that. And so I, I started selling this furniture here and doing well with it because I'm right outside of Nashville, which is like hipster central, you know. And uh, so, you know, it was like doing really well. And he came down one Christmas because he'd come down for uh, or he came down for New Year's. He'd come down every New Year's and party with us and hang out. And um, so uh, he came down. He saw I was doing well. 
And then I went up there like, you know, like a week later and uh, hung out and we, and we, we just went out to some thrift stores and I was like, dude, this is like where you live is like a gold mine for this stuff. Just, just the Midwest was a gold mine for that stuff. Cause, cause of all the factory jobs and stuff, the rust built, you know, uh, and all that furniture at the time in the fifties and sixties. And so like, I, I, I literally like, you know, I said, dude, you know, if you ever want to like do this, like, you know, let me know. Like, I think we get a box truck and we we'll do it. And he's like, yeah. And then, and then as soon as I got home, like I drove home back to uh, Murfreesboro, I could pull my driveway, get a phone call from him. He's like, let's do it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's do it. He's, yeah. And so, like, next week he was, yeah, you know, he was just always go getter. Next week he was on eBay, bought a box truck, you know, and, last seven or eight years so then we got even closer than we i thought we could possibly be he's already my best friend in the world so then i was up there every six to eight weeks picking up furniture working on it with him uh we'd spend long days working on it but it was great because we just listen to punk rock music we chill out work on furniture work with your hands feel like super accomplished you know and then we make some money at the end of it all of it you know and we and he'd always schedule me coming up there around events like a comedy show or like a baseball game or, a, you know, a punk show or whatever, you know? So anytime I was up there, there's always like, it was always an event too. We always had something else to do. It wasn't just, we were going to work on furniture. It's like, we're going to go see the subhumans play, you know, at the, it was an anchor bar or whatever the hell it's called there, you know, the, uh, or the yacht club or whatever, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, whatever we, you know, we, he, he just always, you know, or, or we go watch the Cubs red series, like go see three Cubs red games in a row and stuff like that, you know? So, I mean, we, we just get tremendously closer, like in those last like seven, or eight years where I thought, you know, I couldn't possibly be closer to human. And then I, I could, I did just, we got to spend so much more time together as adults, you know, when he moved away, uh, you know, he moved away, um, you know, probably 15 years or so you know uh and so we didn't you know the first seven or eight years in midway we'd only see each other once or twice a year and then all of a sudden we were seeing each other like you know 10 times a year and it was amazing you know yeah. love you know i remember when he started doing the furniture stuff i remember exactly what he told me because it was it cracked me up he goes he's go, hey shane you know what they do they said I, I can go get some of this cheap furniture pick it up for cheap and slap it slap a coat of paint on it and those hipsters they'll just eat it up <laughs> i'll never forget him telling me this he was very enthusiastic about that he definitely the way he talked about the hipsters was very funny to me <laughs> uh, it's the thing man i mean it's it's the thing and but me and jimmy used to always joke because we you know a lot of the furniture we would buy was kind of like in from rural areas that were more like you know rednecks and shit and then we would we would sell it to the hipsters. And then it's like, you know, me and Jim always joke is like, we got a little bit of redneck and a little bit of hipster in us. So we can <laughs> kind of both, you know? And so we were a good go between for those people. Like never the two shall meet, but we can like be there like middleman. So they don't have to meet each other. You know, <laughs> we can, we can, I can really, you know, I grew up, we both grew up in Columbia, Tennessee. I mean, it's literally 40 miles from where the clan started, you know? And, uh, and shit. And like, you know, there's a lot of rednecks we had to deal with and shit. And you just, you got to deal with them, you know? So we know how to deal with them. And, uh, you know, then when then being in, you know, just being into the music punk and different things like that, your culture around hipster culture and stuff too. Oh yeah. No, no. Like an art and, you know, you know, literature and stuff like that. So 
when it came to the union and uh, he, he grew up in the union, his full time, not only was he in the IWW and that's where I met him, but he, when I met him, he was working for the union. Um, I guess I wasn't, I'm not hundred percent sure what he was. He like a, his title was, but uh, I've seen it, him labeled as a field representative. I've heard that he was, in a, I'm not 100% sure what his title was at his day job. Do you know? Yeah, he was like a, he was a union rep. So he was a representative for literally thousands of workers. He like anytime they had any sort of issue going on with the workplace, they basically went to Jim and then Jim was kind of like the middleman would go and talk to you know the um you know the so he worked for dayton city schools and he didn't work for the teachers union he was like uh bus drivers bus drivers custodians mechanics and it, and it was dayton city schools and then all the surrounding areas that are part of that county so i mean literally he represented thousands of people who were part of the union and you know he you know sometimes you know he, he would have to go you know he loved this because Jim was, you know, he, he had a degree in, uh, you know, political science and stuff, but he had to go head to head all the time with lawyers and lawyers feared him because he would win all the time, you know, and, you know, they, they, and they really respected Jim and Jim, you know, the ones that would work with Jim, Jim started, you know, would respect them as just like, you know, after a while, you know, but they, you know, they realized like, you know, early on, like, you know, all right, this isn't just some like schmo here that we can run all over. Like this dude, like can really negotiate like hardcore, you know, and he's not going to back down. And, you know, he, he, you know, lawyers, I think a lot of times are, you know, used to litigation and pushing people around with their, you know, their legalese and stuff, but Jim, you know, he wouldn't have it, you know, he's just, he can match their wits and stuff, you know, so very, very bright fellow too, doing things that I couldn't even imagine having to do, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I'm wearing this. Uh, this is a hoodie that he had made up for one of his unions. You see that? It's got it's a, the IUECWA Local 755, and it's got yeah. the uh, the what's her name? Is she's not? Is that that's not Rosie the Riveter? Is that, is that what her name yeah. is? Rosie the River? Yeah, Rosie the Riveter. Yeah. So he, yeah, it's Rosie the River. But yeah, he he had these this kind of stuff made up for his like the people that were in his unions and give it to him and stuff when they'd go out and. You know, they they go out and like uh, strike or you know protest or whatever and shit. They they'd all dress up and stuff like this. <laughs> he was passionate about it. Oh yeah, man, he was great at it. I mean, he, you know, he's fantastic at it, man. I mean, he, some of the stories he would tell me about the stuff he had to deal with with some of the some of the people that were like, you know, his constituents that he had to defend. I was like, man, that's bananas. He's like, yeah, I know. He's like, people do crazy shit. <laughs> I remember at least one, um, at least one big negotiation he had that he was fighting for left and right. And I remember him very well coming back to us, talking to me about it, telling what's going on. And when he essentially, when they finally got the contract they were working for, like he, he really did. He spent his life helping to make lives better for other folks. He was passionate about that, you know? Yeah. It's largely a thankless job, too. I mean, a lot of times, I mean, with that job, it's like he would do, like, he would bang out, you know, contracts for people, get them better pay and better benefits, all stuff. And then, like, next week you turn around, the people be like, you know, what have you done for me lately? And he's just like, damn, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that was a full-time 
fighting for the folks. And then on his spare time, he's like, he joined the IWW as well and got involved there. And from what I understand, it's been his whole life a passion. I really respect Jim. Love him to death. I think he's one of the greatest fellers I've ever met. I I remember, I, and I'm going to tell a story. I feel I feel salty about this one. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. So for a long time, I didn't eat meat. I was a vegetarian. And uh-huh. we had this big old um, IWW potluck thing going on. And we had it at Jim's house. And everybody mm. went up there. I remember it was the first time I went up to Jim's house. It was a nice house. And he had union memorabilia everywhere. Like he went around to like flea markets and other odd shops. And he would, like you said, he, he'd collect this stuff. He'd collect the really cool old, oh, I don't even know what to say all he had. Barber, barber's unions and, and, and just all kinds of cool stuff around the house. Yeah. And uh, we all got up there and everybody brought dishes like crazy. And Jim made this big old oven full of chicken. And every single person that showed up was vegetarian. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I feel terrible. I'm going to have to eat chicken because I feel like an ass. I don't eat his chicken. And there was a lot of it. That's funny. Isn't it? Well, what's funny is Jim, I'm vegetarian. Jim, when we were in high school, got me into vegetarianism. And then, <laughs> He quit being a vegetarian, like, and I stuck with it. <laughs> he used to be a vegetarian. Trust me, he wasn't like he wouldn't have been offended at all because, you know, he's he used to be one. You know, and, and I was his best friend, and I was one. Even though he got me into it, and he, you know, he abandoned it. You know, and I still am. <laughs> he's a, he was a great feller, and I remember he we'd go over there and hang out sometimes, and he'd have folks from the union come over that he he worked with in his day job too. And we got to. And he would always like, I remember him, there's a, which one was it? There was an old documentary that was past people were watching for a while about the IWW. And I Mm. remember him putting that on, getting them all to watch it. And he would get, he got, he got, he got a little, a little drunk and drunk and smoked a little. And he was, he was rambling, getting so like, it was almost like watching a football game or something for him watching this documentary about the IWW. (laughs) I I know that really well. I mean, yeah, he would get passionate about a lot of things. Like he just put something on YouTube, and then before you know it, he'd be up there ranting, you know, about it. And to me about it, I'm like, all right, man, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's all, right, it's all right. We're not, we're not going on the picket line right at the moment. Oh, he was always ready to though. He was, he was always ready to. That's the thing. He was, he, he lived it. Oh, dude, he went. Uh, <laughs> He went to a Trump rally like this was like when Trump was running in the, for the first time, you know, yeah. by like some crazy sign and just stood right there in the middle of him. I mean, had people just coming up in his face, like threatening him, like left and right. And Jim just stoically stood there the whole time with the sign. <laughs> oh. Stuff I could imagine doing, you know, going to like Trump rally by yourself and holding up some sign that's just like completely antagonistic, but right. And just having these these people that are full on MAGA gear coming up in your face and stuff. And it's just like, that's bananas to me, you know. But that's how he was, man. He wasn't afraid of confrontation and stuff, you know. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. He was. He. Yeah, he had a. He had a. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He had. He had, he had guts. <laughs> he was not intimidated easily. Balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he ass balls <laughs> i know sam uh one of our mutual friends he would uh 
I know that for a while there, towards like I said before too, I, towards the end, like like after a while, he was less involved in the IWW largely because he was going down and spending a lot of time with his father, who was who had who was suffering from heart from health conditions. And I know that Sam and a few of some of the other Wobblies would go up there and check on him from time to time. I never got to make it out there, and I feel bad that I didn't. And me and him towards the end, we're contacting each other. It was like, Hey, yeah, we need to, we need to go do something soon. Like, and then COVID hit and mm-hmm. no, I hadn't seen him in probably over a year before COVID hit, unfortunately. So I'm like that last year there, everybody was locked down and isolated. So I'm, I, I missed, yeah, the last period there. I wish I could have made it out. I know we had a few mutual friends that kept in contact from around the Cincinnati Dayton area as well, but loves you guys like i mean he would he would talk to me about like the i do iww thing up there it was like it was one of his favorite things he had going on uh in his life and honestly you guys were very important to him because when he moved there he was a little older by the time like he started he moved to the actual dayton and took that job so and he didn't really know anybody and didn't have a lot of friends. And he was, you know, as you get older, it's harder to make friends and stuff in a new area. You're not going out to bars, you know, you're not in college anymore or whatever the, the natural way you make friends and stuff. So meeting all you guys in IWW, like he, he would always say that was like some of the best times he had up there because he didn't have a lot of friends around there. And so, you know, whenever he get to go meet up with you guys and like, I mean, he told me so many times about you guys coming over there to his house and partying and, and hanging out for one of the meetings and stuff, you know, and he just, he loved that to death. He like, he, it really meant a lot to him. And he he would talk about that frequently, you know, I I know that he would have definitely kept on like going to those things and doing those things with you if his dad hadn't gotten sick for sure. Yeah. It's, it's sad that Jim's gone. I, 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 I can't believe it. I'm about the same age as Jim. We were around the same age. I can't remember whether it was like a year or two apart. I remember Jim used to tell me, he said, I look really young. And Jim used to say, I look really old for my age is one of the things he used to say, because he looked older for his age, looked older than he was. Definitely a couple of times where we went out to restaurants and stuff where like people thought that like he was my dad and stuff. And, uh, you know, we got a kick out of that. Yeah, he definitely did. And, he was a good feller. I and like going out to the clubs. We used to meet him up in Dayton, and there were a couple clubs up there. Like the mat, one was called the Mask, and one was MJ's. One was more of a dance club. The other was a uh, like a less of a dance club. And we used to always go up there to the Mask and the MJ's. Well, I don't want to say always, but occasionally because I don't go out to clubs and bars that often. You know, right? Yeah. Well, the thing is, Jim does. Jim didn't either. You know, so you know he he was just doing that probably just to entertain you guys. You know, what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that's largely what was happening is we'd be like, hey, Jim, you want to meet up and let's go out? And we had fun. It was a good time. All the times I went up there, like I, we probably went to like that MJ's place like once. Like we, you know, we just did that. So he's trying to entertain, I think. He's like, he probably just thought that this is what other people like to do. <laughs> but, you, you know, in fact, you probably would have just been cool just hanging out at his house. <laughs> yeah. He was, trying, he was trying to entertain, you know. I know exactly his thought process into that. I guarantee you. He's trying to show y'all a good time. It's just like. It was good. And we used to, I remember afterwards, as we go there, we'd go up to this. What was that? There's a little pizza place that would be open to like three or four in the morning up there. I'm trying to remember the name of it, but there ain't no place to eat in. So we just go get the pizza and we just go back there. 
behind there, like hang out by the car and eat a pizza. Everybody get our own pizza. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, great. Yeah, we all just have one full pizza. They used to have really cheap like coupons. It was like under 10 bucks for a pizza or something. So we just go back there and eat. I get a big old cheese pizza and I, I just sit there and down the whole thing in the parking lot. And we had plenty of wonderful late night conversations. I, I There was at least one late night conversation with Jim back there that I, I will never forget. I don't think I'm going to repeat any of it on this for people to remember. That'll be it for me to remember. <laughs> well, you have to tell me in private sometime because I hear this now. Yeah, maybe I'll do that afterwards. <laughs> so I want to ask before we head off here. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see any anecdotes, stories, or anything from when he was younger or a teen or anything that we can put out there that people can remember Jim with? Um, I mean, there, there's, I mean, I, you know, I'm sitting here like thinking, like talking to you about this. I'm like, man, I could do a podcast about Jim. <laughs> there's just so many stories and stuff. It's like, how much time do you have? You know, it's like literally like, and he's incredible. Amazing. I mean, I mean, if we're talking about like, you know, if we want to talk about, you know, union or protesting stuff, you know, that it, one great one was, um, do you remember the uh, the WTO, the World Trade Organization, when oh, they yeah. were trying they were trying to implement that? This was like you know we were in our early twenties or something, and like I didn't actually go on this trip. Like you know we we would go, I would go sometimes uh, with him to like different things, but I didn't actually make it up for this one. I wish I had, but anyway, uh, you know he he goes up to the WTO thing and. Uh, you know, it, it, stuff's popping off and Jim's right in the middle of it. Jim's got a bullhorn. He's going up and down, right in cops faces who are like, you know, guarding the whatever building the WTO people are meeting in at the time. You know, they're having this big meeting trying to like organize, you know, basically like the destruction of, uh, you know, the working class inside this building. And, you know, Jim's out there. <laughs> with his bullhorn and the cops faces and stuff and stuff starts getting like super heated at one point. And then like, basically like a bunch of cops, like five or six of them just like out of nowhere, grab Jim and just like slam him to the ground. Like, you know, handcuff him, throw him in the paddy wagon, take him off to jail. He get he makes bail, gets out, goes right back out there. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that was just that. It's like, yep, you, you got me. You arrested me, you know, slam me to the ground. You're not going to stop me, though. <laughs> I'm coming right out there with my bullhorn because this is my right to do, you know? Yeah, that Jim Tackett fighting the man. I'm proud of him. Power of the people. Well, we're about at, uh, about at time. I want to thank you so much for coming on and talking about Jim and telling us yeah. some of your memories. That's super. This has been super exciting for me. I'm getting, like, worked up just talking about these stories. I'm going to go protest something right now. <laughs> go fight the system. I'm all about <laughs> And uh, I don't think I'm going to do my normal closeout. I'm just going to thank you all for listening and uh, and learning about Jim. Keep keeping his memory alive through telling you all. And maybe, you know, others can tell others about Jim. Tell your friends to listen and, and hear about Jim Tackett. He was an amazing human being.